Hi dancers, dance moms, and dads, and dance educators. Welcome to Be On Point. I'm your host, Melissa Kraushorn. My background in dance includes working with summer programs at Boston Ballet, Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet, Miami City Ballet, San Francisco Ballet, the Joyce Theater's Dance Education Program, Freed of London, and Penn State Center for the Performing Arts. I'm passionate about providing young dancers and their parents with resources and tools to create the career they want and love in dance. You can learn more at my website, www.mcmovement.com, or connect via Instagram or Facebook. Please take a moment to give Beyond Point a like and a review and share with a friend. Enjoy. One of my most vivid memories with today's guest, Sheree Harper, is sitting front row together at New York City Center, seeing Savion Glover close out an evening of fall for dance while we were grad students in Florida State's NYC program. Throughout her time in grad school, she kept threatening to run away to Vegas for So You Think You Can Dance. She's also the kind of dancer that will stop you in your tracks with her intensity, magnetic presence, and technical ease. She is a freelance performer, choreographer, teaching artist, and proud member of Actors' Equity Association. She earned a bachelor's degree in dance from the University of Alabama and a master's degree in dance from Florida State University. She has studied under artists such as Dwight Roden, Desmond Richardson, Suzanne Farrell, Jerry Houlihan, Cornelius Carter, and Jowale Willa-Josollard, to name a few. She served as an ambassador for the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater and danced with Jazz Roots Dance Company under artistic director Sue Samuels. She became an equity dancer with the Walt Disney Company in Orlando, Florida, and during her time at Disney, she acquired a stunt double role for a lead actress in the ABC television series remake of Charlie's Angels. She also became an inaugural member of Me Dance Company under the direction of Marshall Ellis. Most recently, she performed at the Black Music Honors alongside the Jacksons. She has taught dance in a range of settings, including dance studios, public and performing arts schools, intensives, workshops, private lessons, churches, and collegiate programs. She has provided choreography for concert dance, liturgical dance, collegiate dance lines, plays, and show choirs. In this episode, Cherie shares her commitment to uplifting those around her through storytelling and movement with an emphasis on authenticity, honoring relationships, and being a forever student of her craft. Here is her story. What are you exploring creatively in dance at this point and stage in your life? Right now, I am very heavily focused on dance as it relates to videoing, dance for camera, and things of that nature. I like to utilize it as a as a means to share and I don't know, just kind of encourage and uplift um, those around me. So usually it's, it's via my social media platforms. Um, I found that utilizing it as a source of storytelling as we are, you know, experiencing the, the current climate of um, our nation, just to go through and portray current events and to kind of detail how I view it through my own personal lens, as well as any, maybe significant stories that are shared with me. What have been significant dance education opportunities that meaningfully shaped your path in dance? I think I have both inside the classroom and outside of the classroom that are, you know, very, just have been very beneficial in in my journey. I had the opportunity to intern for Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater um, Mm -hmm. during my studies um, at FSU. And I was a group sales intern. I worked during Miss Judith Jameson's last year um, Mm. as artistic director with the company. So it was a very just meaningful time, you know, Um, and it was a historic time because this is it's a huge moment in their in their history. And I think the history of dance in general, as it relates to especially, you know, modern dance in the company that Mr. Ailey laid out and set forth. It was so 
interesting to be able to be in the room. I, you know, I hate you, Hamilton, right? In the room where it happens. <laughs> um, but, you know, to go into an atmosphere where I'm making decisions and brought on board, you know, for, for events and things that I've already signed up for the email list. But as soon as I walk out, everything's solidified. I get the email and I had a hand in it, you know, but it really showed me the arts administration, administration side of things. And it just opens my eyes to how multifaceted and how diverse, you know, dancers are and artists are and keeping everything going on. I think both sides of the table and just to go to work every day and to actually engage and interact with Miss Jameson was beyond me. You know, it was just like, yeah. this is, this is amazing. So I really soaked in that moment and that time. And I think it just extended me even more creatively having to kind of like put both of those things together and let them gel. I think the other thing was I had a beautiful opportunity to meet Braven Wilkinson, who is accredited as the first African-American woman to dance for a major classical ballet company. Unfortunately, you know, she passed away here recently, but was mm -hmm. Misty Copeland's mentor. And I was, I was at the stage door because it was after a performance that I was able to see Missy Copeland um, at New York City Center. Mm -hmm. And she was there. And so I was like, this moment will not pass me by. You know, like, I will not yeah. let this pass me by. So just spark up conversation with her. And it was, it was almost beyond me because as a dancer, those are the type of experiences and people who, you know, I really like I'm all stricken by. Like, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is happening. Yeah. This is real. And she shared with me after asking me, you know, where I'm from, my goals and my dreams and, you know, what my plans are in dance. When I shared that I was born and raised in Alabama, she shared behind the scenes of what her experience was like as an African-American woman. Just, you know, being able to trailblaze that path for for other people who, you know, look just like me. But yeah, I'm, I'm getting emotional even as I think about it. But it was just such um, an incredible time. And I, I definitely have considered that an education opportunity and I, I let it soak in. I journaled about it and I revisit it often. So two very unique yeah. experiences, maybe that even though aren't directly related, you know, to the classroom in that way, but have really have really shaped me. And of course, I think as far as education is concerned, both my experiences at the University of Alabama, as well as Florida State University mm -hmm. really kind of contributed to. I think growing me as an individual as well as a dancer based yeah. off of just the amounts of opportunities that were available. Considering the value of these inside and outside the classroom learning experiences that you've had that were significant for you as an individual and as a dancer, what is essential for you to include in a dance or movement education experience when you are the educator? I think this connects even to the last question and how passionate I am about just dance history in general. It's the who, what, when, and where for me. I think lots of times in dance, in genres, and in movements, you know, because I feel like it, it fuels you and it helps to, when you infuse that knowledge of these things with then teaching and creating. It adds dimension and better understanding. And I think it allows for students to seek more of it in order to share more of it because there's a difference between you know we take ballet oh it was created a long time ago you know mm -hmm. and like where ballet really stems from and it's in its inception of being you know being court dance before it was this codified movement so mm -hmm. it's it's important for me to 
make sure people understand understand and recognize like the rich history of all these different styles of dance and in order to kind of place themselves you know not necessarily in the time because especially my younger students you know have the time we're like what when that's ancient <laughs> I mean for instance I ask questions that I know my students don't know the answers to mm-hmm. just for them to take a moment to stop and think you know to say huh well, I don't know. Of course, that nervous energy probably creates a like, oh my gosh, she's going to call on me. But I, I know in advance that I'm going to give them the answer. And mm-hmm. and and even in those moments that, have, because I don't have all the answers, I'm still a student of the craft. And I just think it's important to really utilize that. Um, and I'm not saying every single piece or every single study has to be this, you know, dissertation of sorts, but, mm-hmm. um, but it's very important, I think, to have a bit of that understanding in order to continue the legacy of what rich history dance has. What really sparked that interest or that commitment to you to have sort of that 360 or like Mm multidimensional awareness of, you know, the movement you were doing Mm -hmm. and why it was important and how it came to be? So I think for me personally, just being a Black woman, it was so often lost on just you know, history in general for, you know, not even if Mm -hmm. we just take it away from the world of dance, um, being told my, you know, sort of my roots, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. and understanding where something actually came from. So as I begin to study and, you know, you get these assignments, especially if you do decide to go into, you know, the dance education side of it, well, I want to study something that, that, you know, I can learn about myself or learn more about, you know, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is that re- that I can relate to um, in, a, in a more, you know, tactile way. And it yeah. led me down that whole road of, wow, tap dancing has roots in Africa or this has roots here. And it, and it just didn't stop there for me because, again, it's not just about that. But but it really led me to a place of like, why don't we dive as deeply into these things, you know, or why yeah. why are these elements kind of just, you know, dabbled in but not really like laid out in front of us as I feel like they should be. You've talked about this a little bit already um, in terms of your teaching practice but what does being a teaching artist look like for you? What does it include when you are teaching dance and teaching in an educational environment? Venturing into a variety of spaces first and foremost. Um, Studios, you know, private lessons, school programs, church programs, um, community programming, uh, and interacting with a variety of ages. I've even been into nursing homes, but really just viewing it and approaching it is not a one-size-fits-all thing and adjusting accordingly based on the circumstances. Um, and, and like I stated before, just infusing, for one, I think myself into it, which comes with, I want to give you a knowledge and background of whatever it is you know we're approaching and doing. Um, in a way that allows you to have sort of a deeper understanding of whatever that dance move is, that dance style is. You've worked in a diverse array of teaching environments. So how do you approach non-traditional residency opportunities? You know, an opportunity to work in an environment in a movement-based capacity that's outside of a studio or dance-centric program. I think being invited into those situations is actually quite honestly refreshing <laughs> so I think a part of me feels like they don't have all these expectations you know or they're not this is popular now or you know and maybe they are but I tend to find that 
when I do, you know, involve myself in those situations, it's just a matter of people really wanting to move. And I think the main thing for me is knowing that coming into that, I'm able to be myself and it be less of a performance than it is of a kind of dance as a way to bring people together in community as well as in, you know, just art form and and I think that's huge is just knowing whether whether or not people are really just open to experiencing and exploring something beyond a very strict sort of regimen, if that makes sense. Yeah, for, for <laughs> yeah. sure. For sure. Sometimes it's the teacher who has to relax. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and you finished, or maybe you're still in the process mm-hmm. of a very dynamic residency that you did with another Florida State alum. Yes, yes. I just did a, a residency, Disco Space, Disco Riot Space Residency with Nicole Rourke. And it was amazing. I think the interesting part of it um, was it was all virtual because of yeah. everything we're experiencing right now. It, and so initially we thought going and trying to approach it in that way would present a variety of difficulties, but it actually came, became much more intimate. And we, we used creativity and, and our creativity in ways that, that just extended the, you know, layers and, just the depth of the project. Uh, it, it, it focused on just looking into um, the current climate of, you know, race relations and how in a very personal way, black people are experiencing that, dealing with it and how we kind of press forward at this time, you know, knowing that it's not something that for the most part we want, we can continue to just, you know, turn a blind eye to. And so it, it was amongst four movers and a singer and the only people that were in the same place were Nicole and the singer um, Sierra and so it it just really kind of stripped away all thoughts of maybe what people think of as dancer mover and in the simplicity I think found its depth and um, its authenticity and it was truly amazing. Let's pivot a little bit. Uh, talk to us about your experience dancing at Disney. Oh, that is, it was a such big, a sharp big, sharp yeah. No, no, no. Oh, <laughs> Disney, right. Here comes the magic. No, it was both a very enjoyable and enriching time in my life. It was, so it was my first professional gig right out of grad school. And it was also a shock to my system. So here I am, <laughs> here I am, you know, coming out of, I, you know, I went right from undergrad. I think I took what a semester off from undergrad right into my grad school experience, both, you know, studying dance. So I'm coming from more of a concert background. And then, you know, I walk into the studio and this is very much more of a, you know, music, musical theater based and styled, you know, show. I did Beauty and the Beast live on stage was my full time gig that I got hired for. And I walk into the rehearsal space and it's the, the, the entire stage is just mapped out in tape on the floor and there are number lines and then there are lines and you follow here, stand here, this number, this line, tow it. Um, you know, heal it. What? And I'm just like, what? You know, and I, <laughs> I think, you know, hey, I'm this incredible dancer and I got all this knowledge and dance education knowledge and I should be, and it was like, you know, a brain teaser. And you, we rehearse, I think maybe into a show for about a week. And then you, you know, you have your, your put-ins into the show and it's just like, 
okay, wow, because you're going from a tape stage, you cannot perform on that stage yet and, and practice there because the show's running, right? So you do overnight situations and, oh, wow. you know, early morning rehearsals. And it was all just, just being on the other side of it now, I'm still shocked. Like, it was beautiful, but it's definitely something that I had to become acclimated with. So yes, it just, but it, but it opened me up, I think in ways that I would have not otherwise explored. Yeah. And I think from there just took me down a path of, well, why not, you know, why not try this or why not do this? So I was able to go through a variety of, you know, shows seasonally, as well as being full-time um, Disney Christmas parades and you know, they do other industrials and gigs that I was able to be a part of. And yeah. just being in a community like that in Orlando, because you also have Universal Studios nearby. It was the first time I think I was just surrounded by so many artists and performers who are like working and, you know, just constantly collaborating and things of that nature. Because of course, you know, we leave the show and there's still, you know, a gig over here or a class over here. So I definitely appreciated that time because it it allowed me to get outside of my comfort zone. Overwhelming at first in a, in a good way because this is some place that I grew up, you know, um, visiting often. I'm I'm very grateful that my family, you know, we had the opportunity to to do that growing up, yeah. and then just to say, wow, like I'm on these stages is, yeah, it's a big highlight. I'll say definitely a highlight. So I'm, I'm assuming that some of your work there is what um, propelled you towards becoming a member of Actors' Equity. Yes. Uh, and tell us, so, and tell us for our young dancers out there who don't even know what that is, or maybe <laughs> they know what it is and don't know why they should care, mm -hmm. um, what has been the value of being part of that for you? Actors' Equity Association is basically a labor union that supports um, they classified as actors and stage managers um, in theater. And I received my equity card actually working, you know, through Disney. Beauty and the Beast is an equity show. And they negotiate wages with the company and they're, they're a liaison for you for, you know, your work conditions. They provide various benefit plans um, to cover you and there's, there are a host of rules and guidelines for each equity and stage show. Um, so it's a very like organized and regimented system and it just affords you the opportunity to be a part of also a union that also supports, you know, Broadway performers. And so thusly, when I would go to audition in New York, I was able to be seen as an equity performer because the shows would cast equity individuals. Mm -hmm. And I think before even entering, I almost felt like, oh, is this like having an agent or, you know, what's, what's the deal? <laughs> so they don't necessarily, they, they don't go find jobs for you. That's not what it is. But, you know, support you when you do, you know, land those jobs that are equity positions. You know, they have a website that I, I think it's important for, for those, whether you want to venture into it or not, to check out. But then, you know, we just have the inside scoop to auditions and things of that nature. But again, they're also available to the general public. Um, we do pay equity dues and mm -hmm. um, those go toward, of course, sustaining the union and, you know, your protection when you're on those jobs. So wages, um, you know, your uh, the percentages don't come from your wages unless you are indeed involved in, a, in an equity show at that time. But you still pay dues just to remain active. You know, it's beautiful to be a part of 
and even though even as now I think we're navigating these trying times it's it's just um, both interesting and beneficial I think seeing people work you know work for you and work for artists in the ways in which that I've noticed they have. You've also done work outside of the live performance environment. How did you transition to working in film and television as a dancer? Yes, another shock to my system. Um, <laughs> so I think my first like television gig was as a stunt double for Charlie's Angels. Um, they did the remake of, for the television series version. Um, I was still full-time at Disney. The show was shooting in Miami. I actually received this role based on other skills that I have in my background. So it was a stunt double based on like martial arts skills for one of the mm-hmm. lead a- angels. But I will say the importance of just how I even snagged the role was because a coworker of mine, another dancer, was in that sort of circuit and they were like, hey, do you know, do you know somebody by chance? And it's just like, wow, like randomly I check off these things. So I still <laughs> I still had to, you know, drive to Miami and present myself before them. But I ended up landing the job. And at that point, it was I was navigating both Disney as well as that gig. So it definitely, you know, helped me solidify really great work, e- work ethic um, during the sure. But um, from there, any other sort of television gigs and the like have been me dancing. And so I've never had an agent, but Mm -hmm. I've submitted myself and either have still had to audition just to make sure that, you know, I secure the role or opportunities have actually come through Disney. Um, So Mm -hmm. my affiliation with the company and being able to work with a variety of choreographers that they bring in and out. And so I think that just kind of segues into connections in the industry, because I think as big as we view the dance world is also kind of as small as it is because um, someone knows someone and, you know, that's another like, you know, be mindful of relationships also type thing because, you know, you you just never know what will happen. So I'm grateful for that as well, because just not having an agent, I know in this day and time, especially how hard those things are. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I just, you know. I just try to keep, you know, relationships strong. And then as, as well as just, like I said before, just skill set and things of that nature and put my best foot forward. Let's talk more deliberately about barriers and biases that you've encountered as a dancer of color. There have been times where just something in my being kind of lets me know I only got it because there was some quota that need to be, needed to be filled. Mm. Um, and with that comes... A sort of stress and anxiety of, but now I need to prove myself even further, you know? So I've always kind of felt the pressure of needing to be 10 times better, you know, uh-huh. than my white counterparts or even than the other black girl next to me just to, you know, kind of advance into some sort of role. That's not only just in the entertainment side of it, but, you know, even based on, you know, I went to a predominantly white school for undergrad, the University of Alabama, but it's, it's that as well, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, oh my gosh, the anxiety of how many will they take and will I be one of them? Mm -hmm. And then once maybe you get into those spaces in those situations, am I supposed to just kind of shrink maybe in the background? I've had situations where it's like my tights don't match, my wig is, you know, not acceptable for my skin tone in a very Uh drastic way, or, you know, this is just not at the very least flattering, but at the very most, like not even really acceptable, but I'm just supposed to, you know, be okay with it. And when I voice 
concern for that, then comes the, I'm being combative or, you know, I'm angry or, you know, too forceful and just, I should just go with it. So it's almost, it's just so many things. There are also times when it's like, oh, you're black, you should be able to do hip hop. There've been a number of, of situations where it's almost ironic because until I've kind of, you know, just matured and taken time to sit with some of these things, have I really recognized how much it's existed, you know, in my life. Um, When you think about making positive changes in our field going forward, um, what does that look like for you when we think about creating a more equitable, diverse, Mm -hmm. um, inclusive dance industry? Accountability is huge. So I'm fearful sometimes that there's still just the, or that now as we navigate into the shift that's happening and beyond, that it will be, let's just give it out, give out this role, give out this job, give out this thing. And that's, that's not it. I mean, there Mm -hmm. are definitely need to be seats at the table occupied by a diverse group of people because I'm just I'm you know I'm just as adamant about my my place in this world as a woman you know as Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. and how they're they're, you know there's just stacking your minority here on top of minority there on tops of things and and I think accountability coming from all sides like if I don't speak up I can't be heard, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then on the other, on the other side of that comes be accountable for knowing, you know, maybe I dropped the ball here Mm -hmm. or maybe, you know, I do need to search more into whatever this is there. But I think for the most part, it's a matter of just inclusion. Um, And that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that I think numbers need to shift to where all of a sudden I'm the majority. I just, you know, feel like it's, it's a matter of making sure that again, things are at least at the very least equitable. Thinking about all your experiences, the things Mm -hmm. you've gotten to do, the things you are doing, how would you encourage a young dancer to move forward in pursuing their goals? I like to, to think of journaling your process. And whatever sort of way a dancer may want to go about that, if it's actually writing it down or keeping a video diary, I think it's important to assess your goals um, and your dreams and the experiences that you have along the way or have even had thus far. And it's valuable to be honest with yourself um, about where you are and where and what it will take you to, you know, kind of move forward and um, traverse the the dancer's life it's as as an experience as many teachers as well like as many teachers and as many styles as you can because you don't have to love it all but I think having you know a, a sort of appreciation for actually having been inside of it is important and that it will help you along the way um and then valuing like I think we just kind of spoke of your teachers and your peers and and building and gaining that respect and relationships because it's important as as well. And there's always the, you know, you can do anything you put your mind to um, type, of, type of thing. And mm-hmm. of course you can, but I think sometimes in there, just like we just spoke of, there is a lack of accountability. So we have to be honest with ourselves and also the work we're putting forth to know, you know, what we're actually um, committed to doing and how that will kind of showcase itself as far as what we want to do. I saw, and this, you know, and again, it's my individual process. So I'll preface it with that because it may not look like what you dreamed it to be, 
mm-hmm. you can still recognize that it came to pass, if that makes sense. So when I was young, my, my mom took me, we were in um, Canada. She took me to see The Lion King. Um, the Broadway ver- um, show was on tour immediately out of the gate said mommy I'm doing this one day and I'm gonna be Nala she said yes you will and you know (laughs) okay I cannot tell you how old I was but I mean old enough to remember but I was young so this is the you know early days probably the Lion King but (laughs) and then at this point in my life when I feel like it's come to pass I'd ventured away from Disney I was teaching full-time in a public school teaching dance and I get a call like hey we have a Broadway choreographer coming down to, you know, set this up. We're doing the 20th anniversary celebration of the Lion King. Here's what it's going to look like. It was full of just a list of all these beautiful black celebrities, you know, in acting and theater. And, and we really want to look at you for the role of Nala. I'm like, come, I'm dreaming, right? Come again. And again, that soon as I say I'm dreaming, it's like, I am, I have been for a really long time. (laughs) Um, And it's weird because it was also at a point where I had auditioned for the actual Broadway show so many times, you know what I mean? Like time and time again. And I mean, I still adore the show, but in hindsight, like I was able to perform this show as Nala with the likes of Viola Davis, you know, Mm. narrate and, and it's, and it's just, it was a magical experience, nothing that I auditioned for, you know, nothing that yeah. I asked for that I was seeking, but I felt like it was a way of me receiving that, like, Hey, you've done well, you know, like, yeah, like you, de- you deserve it. And yes, that of course was clearly well into my, you know, <laughs> tenure as a dancer. So it's, it's moments like that, that kind of then pop up and reveal themselves to you in ways that I think, you know, you might not have even been expecting. As you kind of think to the present and to the future, what is your creative process and movement practice becoming as you look ahead? Creator of truth. And, and for me, that means my truth and, and moving and creating and sharing without fear of, of judgment, I think. Striving to be authentic and not perfect is huge for me. I just, I just want to continue to delve into, you know, I will forever be a student of my craft, but like delve into it exploring different styles and experiences from myself. And like I said, I've really just been hugely intrigued and inspired by collaborating with individuals that I've either, you know, had the pleasure of going through school with or working with, or even just being risky and, you know, just asking, you know, just to ask like, Hey, all you can do is say no. But I think overall it's, that's what is going to be in becoming me. So I go back to the, you know, striving to be authentic and not perfect and just creating my days away, my life away. Yeah. Is there anything else that's come to mind while we've been talking that you'd like to add or explore in this conversation? Relationships are important. And I think, especially in the world of, of dance and, you know, just the arts, it's important to, to talk to sometimes, you know, like not everything has to be movement, but just the sharing is important. And so I appreciate you for what you're doing and for this platform, because it's, you know, even if it's just one person, like, you, you know, you've got me, <laughs> because this is great. Um, as far as just, you know, being a, a listener and um, being able to have this, because I think it's, 
it's great to have a means to share and a means by which a means by which to learn. Um, because I know these these are things that I did not have, you know, kind of growing up navigating the world of dance. So, thank you. Um, yeah. yeah, and just keep going because it's awesome. Thanks for listening to Cherie's story. Check out her website. It is listed in the show notes. Takeaways from Cherie. Dance is not a one-size-fits-all practice. Experience as many teachers and styles of movement as you can. What does being authentic in relationships and honest with yourself look like as a dancer? Let me know how you've responded to Cherie's experience via my website or social media. Be inspired. Be brave. Be on point.